Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Welcome to I Do Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are coming to you, not live. I like. I always feel like I want to say we're coming to you <laughs> live, like radio, but we are podcasting. We are coming to you from San Diego. We're back down here in San Diego after having been gone since... Uh, February. Yeah, February. Feels good. Yeah. It's good to be back in SoCal. Yeah, it's not a terrible place. It's like average temperatures are in the 70s and we are here back on the beach as we get ready to head to Costa Rica at the end of the month. We'll be packing up all our stuff, really just trying to get rid of most <laughs> of our stuff. We have a storage unit filled with a two-bedroom apartment pretty much, so... We will be spending the next month trying to sell all of our stuff. Yeah, all <laughs> stuff we don't really need. I'm I'm actually looking forward to it because basically whatever we don't bring to San uh, to Costa Rica will just be uh, besides like a few of Stella's 
little things and mementos that we'll yeah. probably send the family to keep in storage. That'll be it. So we're downsizing, <laughs> getting rid of all of our junk. We're full nomads at the moment. Yeah. Officially. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. And life is good. We can't complain. Sarah cut off a significant amount of her <laughs> hair and I have to say, I love it. Oh, thanks, babe. Yeah. She got, she'd been toying with the idea and then she's like, I'm going to do it. And uh, probably, what was it, like eight inches? Eight or nine. Yeah, it wasn't quite 10. I wasn't able to donate it, but um, it was basically all of my hair. We'll have to put a picture (laughs) on on our Instagram. Yeah. On the I Do Podcast Instagram. If you check this out, when this goes out, we'll have a picture. Maybe one of our family. We just have family photos. So put that up there and... Check us out. Check out Sarah's awesome new do. <laughs> I like it. I said in the podcast today, it's like I got a new wife. It's kind of hot. Yeah. Like a uh, new look, new <laughs> wife. Not that I wanted a new wife, but. Right. Here's a good way to keep your marriage interesting. <laughs> Cut, Cut off, off all your, your hair. <laughs> you said it for me. Yeah. Uh, no, well, maybe, not, maybe not to that extreme. You don't have to cut off all your hair, but. No, no. <laughs> But you should do, like this segue, you should do what our guest today has to say. We had an awesome conversation with Stephen Ng, and we talked about affair-proofing your marriage or relationship, but that's kind of the the catchy clickbait title, but I think this it really should be called What Every Couple Should Do. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's not, yeah, it'll help prevent straying partner and and cheating, but really it's just, it's like common, I want to say common sense, but it's not common sense, but like the foundational thing we should be doing in a relationship in what it really boils down to is being open with your partner. And the great thing about this, this interview and this podcast is that the first tip that Steve gives us is that uh, is is maybe I won't give it away, but it's something that you can do yourself. You don't have to do it with your partner. It, it obviously it, it helps if you do do it with your partner, but it's a step that you can make alone that will improve the relationship. Yeah, and I I think it's okay if we give it away. We don't. There's no spoil alerts here. <laughs> there's I mean the interview is actually one of our longer ones, so there's plenty of value outside of the bullet point. But his first thing is is admitting to yourself that you are a sexual being, that we are sexual beings. And I think that's a a huge thing. Like Sarah said, you can do it on your own, but so much, there's so much shame around sexuality in the United States in particular, but a lot of cultures. And we are sexual beings. I said in the podcast, we, in the interview, we wouldn't be here if we're not sexual beings. Our parents had sex and we right. came out and it's like, that's, that's we how it works. We came out. That's okay. how it works, right? Exactly. Sex, you come out. But the, the, it's the foundation of it. And, and I know that's something that I want to work on more in our relationship is being more open. I think we, we are definitely more open than the norm, but there's always room for improvement and it can create such intimacy. And so Steve walks us through the steps of admitting that you're a sexual being and then how to communicate that with your partner because you want to, yeah, it's good if you can do this by yourself. That's certainly going to be liberating. But the idea is that you're sharing that with your partner and you're both going through this process. Yeah. So in addition to today's awesome podcast and the great tips that Steve has given us, we put together a free download, a freebie. Chase makes fun of me for calling that a freebie, but a freebie. I think it's, it's, right. I think it's fun. Anyway, we put together a freebie for you guys that walks you through those steps, something you can maybe reference or share with your partner. And hopefully it'll just be that first initial step that you can take to start the conversation. Yeah. So do that. Do it today. Don't waste any more time. It's going to make your relationship better. So you can find that download at idopodcast.com forward slash 116 download. That's today's episode 116 download. As always, we love you guys. We appreciate you listening. Hope you're having a wonderful day and enjoy the show. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace. Talkspace is the online therapy company that lets you get therapy 
through your smartphone via text, video, and audio. It's therapy for how we live today. To sign up, visit Talkspace.com forward slash I do to get $30 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Today's show is also sponsored by FindYourTrainer.com. It's America's largest personal trainer resource that matches you with your perfect personal trainer. Train anywhere, anytime. Visit FindYourTrainer.com forward slash I do and use the promo code I do to get $50 off your first four sessions. Hi, Steve. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be here. Steve, we've given our listeners a little overview, a little bit of your background. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, that, that is almost a whole other show because just to put it in short terms, I think that having a great relationship is really the reason we all go to work every day. Being able to enjoy love in our homes is the make or break of a meaningful existence. If we have a great career and we're doing well and we're excited about what we're doing, but we have to come home to the reality that we're really not close in the way we want to be with the person we love, that really takes so much of the joy of living right out of our existence, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we talk about it and I I think about it more and more having done this show is that ultimately we could talk about business, politics, you name it, right? Just general things, that conversation. But if you don't have a solid relationship with a significant other or even your family and friends, then you can feel quite empty and all the other things don't really matter. Yeah, and the funny thing about that, Chase is that we pay lip service to the idea that the family is the foundation of our civilization, but we really don't prepare people, especially young people, we really don't prepare them for how to have a great relationship, how to make good choices, how to find someone who's compatible. And then even in the, assuming that they got lucky and they found someone with whom they're really compatible and they really want to make a life together, we don't really train them on how to maintain that relationship. You know, this whole body of knowledge that you're talking about, we could call it relationship technology, and we probably could teach it in a class, Relationship 101, all the way back in high school. Yeah, and we should. And it's funny, we've had conversations, if our listeners have heard in the past, I'm blanking on the episode, but there's actually a guest, um, she's a college professor who teaches Relationship 101, I think it's called. Yeah, her, her name is Dr. Alexandra Solomon. I think yeah. it was in the 100s. But. Yeah, check out that episode. And yeah, and we thought that was so great. It's a college course, but it's so true that these things are the foundations of, of our lives, of our society, and we don't really get training. And that's what we've sort of found through this podcast. It's been great for us personally uh, in our, our own marriage and relationship with friends and family, but then in giving us a sort of sense of purpose and and taking information from experts like yourselves, getting it for ourselves, but then giving it to the world. And hopefully we're able to make some small differences. We Just in the, the feedback that we get, we know that if it's just one person that we're enabling to better relate to people in their lives, I think we're doing our job. So uh, we are in the same boat as as you in enjoying helping people improve that and thinking it's uh, such a foundation of, of the world we live in. And today's topic is definitely something that will help people out. And we're going to jump in and talk about affair-proofing your marriage. So why don't we start by having you Tell us some of the sobering statistics in uh, infidelity and uh, that you mentioned in your article. And we can start from there and we can talk about how to prevent that from happening. Well, I think there's only one sober statistic that we all need to bear in mind. And that statistic would be 
that the incidence of infidelity that is over the lifetime of an individual is greater than 50%. So knowing that, and that's both for men and for women, men are slightly worse at monogamy, uh, although if you read the media, it sounds like we're a lot worse. But when it comes to commitment and, and having a happy marriage that really works, and particularly in a fair-proofing your marriage, we all need to be looking at this more like taking out fire insurance or flood insurance. We sure hope it doesn't occur, but we want to make sure that to the best of our ability that it doesn't occur. And for our listeners who maybe aren't married, but they're in a relationship, the points and the tips that you're going to give them can also relate to preventing affairs in their relationship, right? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, you know, that that's something that we could just give a nod to those other listeners, because really what they're doing is marriage by another name. You know, they, they are, they're two souls who have joined forces and in their union are hoping to face life's problems together as a team. And by virtue of their combined resources, their talents, their abilities, they're going to try to overcome life's problems far more effectively than they would have as individuals. Now, that's marriage. And we had marriage before we ever had the United States. We had marriage before the invention of civilization, before the invention of paper. Human beings have been partnering up for a long, long time. And learning how to do that in a way that really works is something we all need to learn how to do. So give it to us. What is the first thing we can do <laughs> <laughs> to affair-proof a relationship? Well, I think, first, I think we probably need to um, come to grips with the terms. You know, affair-proofing your marriage is a wonderful uh, buzz phrase because it, it, it's like clickbait, right? Everybody wants to affair-proof their marriage. But what we're talking about uh, and, I, and I was speaking to a client about this, and she, she was very skeptical, and she said, you can't affair-proof your marriage. No one person can do that. And she was absolutely right. No one person can affair-proof a relationship because relationships take two. And it's also true that no one can perfectly affair-proof, no, no two people who are working to their very best and perfectly, always, 100%, in every circumstance, affair-proof their marriage any more than by following building codes. We can per build the perfectly uh, fireproof building or that we can shop carefully and buy stain-proof fabrics for our couches that are truly stain-proof or by kicking our kids to uh, special swimming lessons to learn drown-proofing. We can just drop them in the Pacific and come back in a few days and see how they're doing. You know, these are all words that speak to our capacity to dramatically increase the odds of success while at the same time decreasing the odds of failure. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about affair-proofing our marriage. And I hope that makes sense, but it, it's an important thing to get to because when we're talking about human beings, there's no one technique that works 100% of the time with everyone. We need to be realistic. So with that in mind, and knowing that we all want to have uh, marriages that work and that don't end in affairs, the first thing that we need to do is to make friends with the truth. And the truth that I'm talking about in this case is that we're all sexual beings who find other sexual beings attractive. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful, and I guess if we saw it on a, in a headline on a newspaper, it would be breaking news. People find people attractive. But so that's not really new news. It's old news, but we need to remember that because as we get into marriages, and because we talk so little about relationship technology, we often get into some irrational beliefs like, well, if my mate really loves me, then they'll never find anyone else attractive. Or because we love each other, we will never stray. Or, or another one, I think a lot of people come into relationships uh, with a very naive belief that 
Monogamy is easy and it comes naturally to everyone. Now, none of those things are true. But what is true is that we can make friends with the truth. And if we do that, if we make friends with the truth, then we're going to be able to manage reality in a far more intelligent way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think it's one of, they're all very important, all the points that you're going to go over. But I think when I think of this personally, I can relate to it. And it's like, especially in monogamy, when you take away something and say, you can't have this, a lot of times people want it more, right? So I feel like this is acknowledging that, hey, I know that you want that or still see that. And and rather than suppressing it and not talking about it, which I think is more often than not the norm and is a huge reason that you have breakdowns and then eventually infidelity. So, yeah, it's really interesting. So how could a partner approach this and start this conversation with uh, their significant other? Well, I think before we get there, Chase, I just want to acknowledge what you said, because I think it's so very important. It's, it's a lot of what counselors do is really counterintuitive. And this is one example where it seems to a lot of people like you could just say to them, well, if I ever, if I ever found out my wife was cheating, or if I ever found out my husband was having an affair, that would be the end of the relationship. And what that does is it it does set us up for a lifestyle of uh, secrecy and repression and failure to disclose, and it makes our lifestyle far more about repression than about intelligent management. So as soon as I say to you, don't be thinking of uh, pink elephants, do not think about pink elephants. That's the one thing that you do think about. And it's the same way with making a commitment to a monogamous relationship when as time goes by, that does become challenging. But that's, in fact, why we make commitments. If it was natural and it came as easily as breathing, we wouldn't have to go to the trouble of making commitments. So the first step, you know, before I ever talk to my mate, is I have to learn how to face my fears myself. And that's kind of an existential question, isn't it? So I, how do I, how am I going to face my own fear of the possibility that my mate might be attracted to somebody else? And then how much do I really want to know about my partner's thoughts, about their feelings, and about their fantasies? For a lot of people, this is really hard to contemplate because we have this propensity for what I would call a pathological level of naivete where we get our marriage training from Disney movies and the two people who fall in love, they get married and they live happily ever after. They never show uh, Prince Charming struggling with other feelings or Cinderella who's really kind of feeling lonely and miserable dealing with the attention of someone else in her life. Uh, So the fantasy is that stuff doesn't exist. And the reality is it does exist, and I am afraid of it. And how much do I really want to know? Now, for those of us who really love our partners, this question boils down to something that's really fundamentally very easy. The answer would be, how much do I want to know? I want to know everything. I want to know everything about her. I want to know what she likes, what she doesn't like, well, what, what good things have happened in her life, what terrible things have happened. I want to know all about her history and about her desires and her fantasies, her longings, her hopes, her aspirations. That's what love means, right? Is, is we really want to know and to be known. But, for a lot of us, again, this, this fear, our fear of being inadequate, our fear of being abandoned, our fear of things not being perfect, our fear of being embarrassed or uh, made fools of, uh, it's, it's very hard to face that. It's like, it's like seeing fire. You know, all animals that sense fire run from it. 
that is all but one, right? Only human beings will deliberately run into a fire. And why do we do that? We do that to save people. We run in to save our children. We run in to save um, other people who are possibly going to die if we're firemen or if we're just wonderful heroes who happen to arrive on the scene in, in time. Only humans harness this terrifying, destructive force of fire to heat our homes, to create a romantic interlude with the candles and the fireplace, or, or to cook a burger. But when it comes to sexuality, which is every bit as scary, we mostly want to run. So we have to answer this question, and it's a fundamental question I invite every listener to answer right now in their own heart without saying anything aloud. How much do you really want to know the person you say you love more than you love anyone else? And if the answer is anything less than totally, then you really need to have a different kind of conversation. Because that, that means a whole, that means something different. But for the rest of us, and I hope it's the vast majority, we all want to know what our partner's thinking and feeling. So then we get to go on to step three, right? And have the talk. And what would that talk look like? That's, that's a pretty scary thing because again, going back to your earlier point when we first started talking, virtually nobody is teaching us how to do this stuff. We have to invent it on the fly. And I think one way to look at it is to break it down and start doing what therapists call chunking. Sometimes memory experts call that chunking as well, where we break a difficult task down into smaller tasks. And before talking about this stuff, I think it's important that we talk about talking about it. Like to say something to our mate, like, I think it's important that someday we're able to talk about our sexual thoughts and feelings, even the ones that aren't G-rated and family approved. Uh, but I don't even know how to begin doing this. Do you have any ideas? How do you feel about this idea? And I think getting that feedback is really important, and, and for a lot of reasons. For one thing, I might be really ready, because perhaps I've been thinking about it for a long time, and I'm ready for this conversation. I, I'm hoping that we can have this conversation. I'm excited about this conversation, but it's possible that at the same time, my mate is, hasn't been thinking about this at all and is still living out the Disney fantasy of, and then I fell in love and we lived happily ever after, the end. So getting that feedback, because some people, let's be honest, you know, with the listeners here, there are some people who are going to throw a fit when we just talk about talking about it. We're not even talking about making a disclosure of a personal nature. We're just talking about talking about it. Hey, I was listening to this guy on a podcast. He suggested it'd be really good for couples to begin talking about stuff like this. What do you think? Well, some men are going to throw a fit and say, if I ever found out anybody who had thoughts like that, I would so, and then he says something terrible. He makes a threat or he possibly threatens to hurt himself or others uh, to hand grenade the relationship. And there are some people who would even begin yelling and screaming at that point. So I think it's really important to find out what kind of a relationship we have in the first place before we start leaping into this. And that's, you know, I know that sometimes I can seem to be going slow, slowly for people who want to just get into it, but making sure that it's safe to get into, I think is really critical for everybody, no matter how much they want to talk about this. Yeah, I can only imagine if I brought that conversation up to Chase and his first response was threatening language, I would retreat like a turtle and I would not want to talk about that. And I probably wouldn't want to bring it up again in fear of being threatened. So I can only imagine that that would be for some people, one of the hardest parts to or conversations to bring up. You know, I got to agree with you 100%, Sarah, and I, I hope I don't sound like I'm glad-handing you, but this is a thing that's so critical, is that people understand that their wives or their husbands or mate will shut up and quite likely never bring this up again. 
And, and so the very thing that I've done to try to save my marriage, you know, by making sure my mate knows I won't tolerate any infidelity, not even the thought of infidelity, not even the the whisper of a feeling of infidelity. I'm not going to tolerate anything and no, it's not something that decent people even discuss. Well, what I've done there to try to save my marriage practically guarantees that I've destroyed any opportunity we have to build the kind of intimacy that would make a marriage last. Because if we can't be safe under the same roof to talk about things, we're not going to be able to solve problems together or to even anticipate problems and do some problem solving to make sure we don't have problems. And, and never is this more true in our, in our society. Here in America, we, you know, we have some financial challenges, but compared to the rest of the world, we don't really have that many. We have some health challenges for sure, but again, we have a great healthcare system in many ways. But when it comes to infidelity, we're talking about over a 50% failure rate. That's a pretty high failure rate for an elective procedure. You know, if my plastic surgeon said, well, you know, it can give you the facelift, but we might lose your face altogether. Uh, and it's a 50-50 shot. I think I'd, I think I'd skip the surgery. I just wouldn't go there. So we can dramatically turn these odds around and make it far more likely that we're going to be an effective couple that manages human sexuality, that very dangerous and scary force, that we can handle it in a way that is really not only intelligent, but is warm and loving and builds more intimacy and more closeness. And that really ruins my mate for any other person because he or she feels so safe with me because they can tell me anything. And I have a laugh and they have a laugh. And look what we're doing. We're processing feelings. We're sharing feelings. We're building more intimacy where it's safer and safer to share who we really are with each other. And really, what kind of other person in the community can walk into a relationship and have that kind of intimacy on day one? That's just not possible. And that's one of the really great things about monogamy and about, you know, being in a relationship that's committed is that these sorts of endeavors not only make us smarter, because they do, they challenge our brain and activate neurons that don't get activated any other way, but they also, these kind of conversations also make us better people. We're more mindful. We're more self-aware. We're more tolerant. We're more empathic. We're just better people across the board. The irony, and it's sort of a paradox, the more I talk about my weaknesses, the stronger I am. The more I talk about how messed up I am, the less messed up I am. And so the more I talk about these feelings and encounter, instead of condemnation or ridicule or sermonizing, scolding, the more I encounter a nodding head, uh, a smiling face, uh, a warm uh look from my partner, the more I want to tell, the more I want to disclose. And the words just tumble out of me. And we're not keeping secrets. We're open books to each other. I'm letting my wife, and in my case it is a wife, uh, and I'm letting my wife in on who I am. And you know, when you think about all of the affairs we've all read about in the paper, and there's an awful lot of them, from our politicians to the generals leading our military to captains of industry and all the rest, we, you have to see that you can't really have affairs without secrecy. And once we blow the lid on the secrecy of our feelings and our thoughts, we pretty much blow the lid on any emotional potency and affair or an attraction to possibly having an affair would, would have. Now, affairs don't typically start as affairs, right? It's not, it's, that's not how it works. But it starts off with usually something very low level. So I might, for example, come home and say to my wife something funny like, uh, oh my gosh, 
you know, I'm 63 years old, honey, and I've still got it going on. And she's going to laugh and she's going to say, tell me all about it. And then I say, well, this lady at the grocery store, she was totally checking me out. Now, it's pretty obvious from my tone of voice that I'm feeling flattered by the stranger's attention at the grocery store. And I think from the way I told the story, you can imagine my wife is pretty comfortable with herself and knows that I'm pretty crazy about her. So, and the honesty just takes it to an even deeper level because now we're managing my feelings and my sexuality out in the open. We've put everything on the table and there really aren't any secrets between us that way. And it's the same for her. You know, I, I've, I was talking to a client not so long ago and I brought up, I w- we were talking about this very subject in, in a group of men. And he said, well, my wife better not ever be having any kind of thoughts like that or feelings like that. And he was quite menacing. And at just the, at just the theoretical proposition that maybe she might have a thought like that ever at any time in the future, it took him about a week to calm down. And within a week, he was able to say, I thought it over. I really think that's normal. And I would want my mate to be able to tell me. I, I really don't want my wife to have to keep secrets like that. So sometimes we just need a little time, a little patience to work through this. But the goal is going to be intelligent management of our sexuality, which is now a, com- a combined effort, right? Because we're a couple, we're a team, and we're managing our life because it is our life together, just like our houses are ours and our children are ours. Well, our sexuality is a pretty intimate part of what we share together. And managing that together is so different from what the vast majority of couples do, right? Because the vast majority of couples are just hoping it all works out or just assuming that it's all going to be fine or just believing the best and believing that because we really love each other and maybe because of our religious beliefs, something like that could never happen. But you only have to glance at the news a few times to find out plenty of religious people who started well ended up finishing poorly. And I to you, they weren't talking openly about having feelings like this. Yeah, Steve, there's so much value in all of these things you're mentioning. And I think I can speak again, speak personally. I think it was about two years ago. I was actually listening to a podcast and it was um, a therapist, I think, uh, who was a guest on the show. And they were talking about sexuality and the shame around talking about sexuality in particularly in the West and in the United States. And I think that's a huge contributor to the problem of, of partners opening up to each other and just talking about things like what they like in bed. It seems like such a, a simple thing, but because there's so much shame built up around it and depending on your upbringing, there may be more or less, uh, but I think particularly in the U.S., we're so uptight about it that and, – and I want to bring this back to me personally. I Sarah probably remember, like, after I listened to this, it was like a revelation to me. I'm like, man, I have totally been suppressing this uh, – like, the first thing you talked about is acknowledging that we're sexual beings and and just having not really talked about it with Sarah. And we were solid – five years into our relationship at least and we had never really sat down and talked about like our sexual desires like from each other and that's such a uh, simple thing but I, I it didn't happen in our in our relationship and I I'm certain in a vast majority it's not happening either just because I'm a product of what I and this might be taking a leap but I think this is pretty common um growing up in the United States and and my family wasn't extra conservative or or anything like that, but it was just like this shame from the media and, and that's built up. So it, that's such a powerful thing. Just acknowledging that we're sexual beings and then communicating that with your partner. And after Chase and I 
talked about it and talked about our desires, we felt so much closer and we bonded over that conversation. And it really allowed us to, I feel, grow even more in love with each other. Oh, you know, that's been my experience, too, in my marriage. And I've been married now 23 years. And I, for me, it's, it's actually just been so counterintuitive, I think, because I, too, wasn't raised in a particularly religious family. But I think it's just something in the air of America, you know, that we, it's, we just grow up kind of knowing what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And when we started disclosing to each other, it felt very vulnerable and kind of scary. But immediately there were all these benefits of just really feeling more connected and, and really feeling more loved. And, and actually, in regard to this affair proofing business, it made the idea of hooking up with somebody I didn't have that kind of intimacy with really less appealing because I was sharing my marital bed with a woman who really got me at a, at a deep level and still liked me, right? <laughs> no matter what, she still enjoyed me and she was still enjoying getting to know me. I thought that was, that was just amazing. And why we don't teach our young people this, it's to me one of the big tragedies of life that we're not talking to people about this. Because we could do it. We're doing it without being in an X-rated conversation. It's not hard. I remember this one client of mine, though, and I think this kind of points to some of the patients we all really need. I remember, you know, I'm this one client from years ago, he was a young man who sadly died tragically some years afterwards, but he came to therapy, and after, I think, a couple of years, believe it or not, he was still very much resisting the idea that he was a sexual being and that he had sexual feelings and needs. He just thought that was so wrong to be feeling that way. And then one day he came into my office and he said, you know, I figured something out. I'm a sexual being and I have needs. And I, <laughs> I almost fell out of my chair because <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a counselor. I've been laying this <laughs> a message out there for a long time. And, and I work really hard at trying to make the message safe and to make it palatable and to make it something that's engaging and fun. And he would have none of it in all those years we were working together. But it was somebody in his church, a guy who just took him aside and said, well, you know, we're all sexual beings. And that day, something clicked, and it was different from any other day. And I suspect it was because he was hearing it not from his therapist, but he was hearing it from uh, a brother in his church. And so it made it safer for him because instead of being drawn away from his faith or drawn away from his relationship with God as he understood it, he felt safe because at least one other Christian believed the same way that he did. Yeah, there's so much, I feel like, again, particularly in the U.S., suppression around sexuality, that that's what can make it so hard, even admitting to ourselves, like, hey, it's okay, we are sexual beings, guess what, that's how we got here, our parents had sex, <laughs> and and we're, you know, and it's such a, a elemental part of what it is to be a human, yet it, it's suppressed, and then bringing that into the relationship it can just make a relationship, even if it's not like a huge issue, even if you're, you or your partner aren't thinking to have an affair, but if you're not talking about these things, you're just not reaching the full potential of what your relationship can be. Not even definitely sexually, but just the, the intimacy part. And like Sarah said, just that one conversation. And I think we're due for another, you know, because we actually, you have to make a conscious effort in, in to talk about these things and talk about your feelings. And of course, like we're staying here uh, at the beach and there's a boardwalk and there's beautiful women <laughs> everywhere. And of course, like I'm going to look at them. And I think even just having I don't need to go around and tell Sarah like, hey, she's hot. She's hot. But like 
being having the comfort to be like, hey, well, did you see that girl? Like, wow, striking or whatever. And Sarah just got a gorgeous haircut and it's actually really short. So she kind of looks like it's like I got a new wife. So I might <laughs> might accidentally mistake her for for one of the girls on the boardwalk. But just something simple like that. I'm I'm sure I'm almost certain just I know my friends. I know just what it is to be a guy. And a lot of times that's like the last thing that we're taught to do is to tell your girlfriend or your wife. Uh, and again, in, in a, in an appropriate way and not, not in a derogatory or, or any, you know, in a, in a, um, I'm trying to think of the word, but just like the way you would talk to like a, a parent, but like about the opposite sex in, in that, and the way someone looks walking down the street, I feel like that's such a taboo thing. And that general mentality is just, it's hurtful because it's a, a section, a huge section of our lives that we're closing off to our partner. And, and there's, like you mentioned earlier, the secrecy around it. And in the end, that is, uh, whether or not it leads to infidelity, definitely if it does, you know, it's terrible. And we want to avoid that. But even if it's not, it's not a healthy thing. You're not reaching your relationship's full potential. Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Like, not only am I not enjoying a certain level of sexual intimacy, which is really odd, and I'll, and I'll tell you the weirdest thing I think about that is that when I work with a group of men and they're sharing things with their group, and I'll say, have you shared this with your wife yet? Oh, God, no. She would kill me. And, and, and I have to confront him. I said, well, I understand that you're not sharing now, but I really want you to think about that because what you're saying is you enjoy, you as a heterosexual man are enjoying more sexual intimacy with your men's group than you are enjoying with your wife. And that always strikes guys as kind of not right. But it's not just sexual intimacy, it's emotional intimacy because some of my feelings about sex are, are emotional. You know, I can look at somebody and be reminded of my first true love or, or my first girlfriend that, that I had and get lost in reminiscing about that. Now, you did bring up something that I think, and you didn't use the word I'm going to use, but I want to just kind of one more attempt at making this as safe a conversation for people out there listening. As, as as safe as possible in that what I'm talking about is more in the category of disclosure and talking about disclosures rather than using my disclosure as a weapon to be abusive and hurtful. So for the wife who says, you know, I love, I really love the way John treats his wife. I wish you could take me on vacations like that to the guy who can't afford to take her on vacations. That's not what I'm talking about here. Or for the husband who says, you know, she's got an amazing figure. You know, if you lost a couple pounds, you could look like that. That is just plain mean. That is abusive behavior. And that's not at all what we're talking about here. Because that doesn't build intimacy. It tears it apart. So I think people have to be really mindful of this because it's not like Everything that's true needs to be said, and like you said at the beach, because I see an attractive woman, oh, and then another 300 attractive women at the beach, I don't need to point each one of those out to my wife. That would be boring for her and incredibly tedious. I think it's okay if she knows in a general sort of way, I find beautiful, attractive women to be beautiful and attractive. I'm not blind. But in the same way, I think... Each partner, whether they're male or female, we want to be able to, our sharing has to come under the category of sharing. And it involves a certain level of squeamishness or perhaps if we're more experienced at it, we remember that we used to be squeamish about sharing it, but we're not squeamish anymore because we're so accepted and so loved. But if I'm sharing something in the name of sharing, but it's actually to be mean and controlling and abusive. That's not what we're talking about today. Yeah, Steve, and that's an important point to make. And there's just so much value here in, in doing this exercise. I would really encourage everyone listening to take these steps. And you don't have to go through all three all at once. In fact, I'm sure it's a process for a lot of people, but I'm just speaking 
personally, when, when this, I sort of had this revelation uh, a few years ago and, and, and it's an ongoing thing. Like I said, I, I wasn't joking about Sarah and I having an updated conversation because especially with the two year old, it's easy for these things to get put on the back burner. But when we did have that conversation, I, I think it still resonates with both of us as a not a pivotal moment, that's not the word, but just a strong moment of intimacy uh, between us and then moving forward. So I just want to recap the three and then we're going to move on to the lasting love round. But first, you told us that we need to make friends with the truth and understand that we're all sexual beings and we find others attractive. And then secondly, facing our own fears of our mate being attracted to someone else so realizing that this is two sides and coming to terms with that and wanting to really know that whole person in your partner. And then third, having the talk and breaking it down. You mentioned chunking and then talking about talking about it (laughs) as a way to approach it. And uh, you gave the example of saying something like, I think it's important uh, that we start talking about blank, you know, our sexuality or, or whatever it is, or, uh, you know, what we want in bed. And those three things are, can do such wonders for a relationship. I really urge our listeners to at least take that first step because all you need is yourself and, and then move through these really valuable steps. You know, I, I really appreciate that summary because that's exactly that you got it exactly. And if I'm doing all that, I can anticipate a high probability of success, assuming that we're two people who are really caring, loving for each other, and we're we're in this with our heads on straight. But occasionally, right, there's there's always a failure, and we we read about them in the media, and we hear about them from our friends and neighbors, and sometime maybe in the future we can talk about what to do then, because sometimes the best laid plans don't always work. And so uh, I think there's, there's such a valuable lesson to be learned in that time, that very difficult time of our lives, because there are some people who actually go through an affair. And this might, again, very counterintuitive, but I've met people who've done this and then live, live to tell the tale of how the affair was a turning point and and that it, that's what had to happen for them to finally wake up to the reality that they really needed to make some real changes in the way they're able to talk to each other about the very things we're talking about today. You know, that instead of repressing, we need to get back to managing or at least begin managing for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll have to have you back for a round two. But I think uh, definitely having this conversation, which will hopefully prevent what goes on when it actually happens. But it's not to say that it it still can happen or that there's people listening that are in the middle of dealing with this or that will deal with it. So round two, we'll have you on, Steve, and we'll definitely get into that. But you've given us and our listeners so much value here in this uh, first part. But now we got to move forward to the lasting love round. Let's take a second and talk about Talkspace. Talkspace is an online therapy company that matches you with a certified therapist from their vetted network of therapists, and you're able to get therapy straight from your smartphone or computer. And pretty much all of our guests, and it's universally accepted that therapy is one of, if not the best ways to improve yourself and your relationship, to really talk it out with an expert. And there's no reason not to do it now because you can do it from your couch with your smartphone. Yeah, like Chase said, there is no reason that you should slack or not try therapy for your relationship. Even if you're not struggling, therapy will help you improve your relationship and make it even better. It's a great foundation to make your relationship stronger. So if you want to sign up today, visit talkspace.com forward slash I do use the promo code to get $30 off your first month. That's talkspace.com forward slash I do 
Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. Therapy is a great way to improve your mind and your relationship, but we know it's also so important to take care of your body and be healthy. And that's why our sponsor, findyourtrainer.com, is an excellent resource for us and our listeners. Yeah, we got a theme going here. Any we got you covered. Basically, mind and body, they come together. If you're getting therapy from Talkspace, but you're sitting on the couch with your therapist all day, not with your therapist, just watching Netflix, you're not going to have a sharp mind. You're not going to feel good. You're not going to feel healthy. So findertrainer.com matches you with a certified personal trainer in your area, and they will meet you outside at the park. They'll come to your house. They'll meet you at the gym. So just like there's no excuse not to get therapy because you can get it from your smartphone with Talkspace, there's really not an excuse to get active. If you need that extra motivation, maybe some guidance, findyourtrainer.com will match you with a personal trainer to get you going the right way. So to sign up today, visit findyourtrainer.com forward slash I do. Use the promo code I do and you'll get $50 off your first four sessions. That's findyourtrainer.com forward slash I do. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? You know, uh, as a man, one of the first things I asked of my wife, I told her that I would gladly work myself to an early grave working for her and for our family, but I asked her to please don't make me talk. And she laughed and she agreed, but the reality is as long as my wife doesn't make me talk, I want to talk. And so I think the first the first thing that everybody could, could remember is if we're not talking, we're not sharing, but we can't make each other talk. So that that practice of just letting people come to us in their own time and place and in their own manner and then stop and listen and really let them express themselves. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationship? You know, uh, right now, the difficulty I think with books is that for those of us who want to improve our relationships, Books are incredibly complicated. You know, they have these 32 steps that you need to take to make your marriage work. And let's face it, most self-help books are read by who? By women. Until we develop a book that is going to be user-friendly by both people, I don't think we're going to be able to do better than listening to a podcast like this. We'll take that. Listen listen to I Do Podcasts. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm not just saying that to be glad handing you. I'm really, I really mean that. It's, you know, I'm old enough to remember the hullabaloo over the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. But I can tell you as a, as a guy who's worked with thousands of men in my career, I've never met any man who owned that book, who read that book. I I can only imagine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these books are really written with couples in mind, they make relationships. You know, we're a social species. We're supposed to be really good at relationships. And the things that are keeping us from being really good are usually really dumb, really simple things that are keeping us apart and keeping us from enjoying the kind of happiness I think we all deserve. So when you buy a 300-page book, it's really challenging for guys who, you know, I'll tell you, uh, Sarah, when, when you and the other ladies get up and leave the room, Chase and I don't look at each other and say, oh, good, now we can talk about relationships. That's not how we're, that's not how us men are wired. We like relationships. We enjoy relationships, but we just don't want to talk them to death, and we don't want to read 300-page books about them. So, honestly, this... This podcast is about storytelling, and when people tell their stories, now that's educational. If you can listen to people who really work through a problem, like like the way Chase was sharing that he never talked about um, his sexuality in a certain open, vulnerable way with you, and then one day he made that happen, and and there was this amazing outcome. Now that's a piece of information. I, 
I think anybody can use. And so when I say I'm not glad handing you, I really, this, 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 I have a passion about this because I've seen so many people reach out for resources that really don't work. And I think storytelling and, and podcasts like this are such a painless, wonderful way to learn a piece of information that can really make a difference. Well, we really do appreciate that. And luckily, we have over 115 episodes. So instead of buying a book, you can go back and listen to hours of our interviews. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. (laughs) We've been married for almost three years now. Is there any advice you'd give newlyweds? You know, um, honestly, since you've been married so long, I think it's just too late, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I think there's there's plenty of advice I have to give newlyweds, but mostly it's about, you know, this, this such these simple lessons of everyday life. And I think <sighs> this is going to sound dark, but I think the very first and most important thing I would say to people in this society is that we all have to remember that we have to have a safe relationship before we can have a good relationship. And if it isn't safe for my mate to be around me and to share his or her points of view or his or her feelings or his or her take on the future and our plans and what we should be doing, if we can't make it safe to talk and to listen to each other, we will never be able to maintain a good relationship. And if that was the only lesson I could pass on to newlyweds, that would be it. And that's not an event. Making your relationship safe is a practice. It doesn't just happen one day and then you're done. It can never end. So the idea of embracing the abuse-free life so that we can talk about these really, that's the first thing I think everybody needs to be focused on. What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? You know, if someone's truly single, I do have some advice. Uh, that I think is fairly uh, succinct. I don't know if they're going to like it, but I think treating relationships as, as if there's something one builds instead of something that just happens. Like I met somebody today and it's so wonderful. No, I would encourage people to embrace the very old-fashioned idea of, wait for it, dating and conducting an intentional interview on each and every date. Now, I know that dating is for the purpose of having fun. I know people get together to have fun, and that is the first and most important goal. But that doesn't mean I can't be getting to know the person. I can be getting to know this person through um, mutual disclosures, through thoughtful questions, and really making it safe for them to be who they are. Because of all the people we might date, only a very small minority would actually be compatible with us in the long run. And if we, you know, most Americans do a, do far more due diligence in buying a piece of property or even buying a car than they do on researching whether or not they're really compatible with the person they're interested in getting together with. And I think if single people could remember that and remember to... Here's the, here's the way to say it. If they could remember to have their neediness and all that loneliness and all that longing, if they could remember to have their neediness instead of letting their neediness have them. That's great advice. And yeah, I'm picturing the person researching the latest iteration of the iPhone. It's about to come out. You're looking at all the features, <laughs> studying them yeah. thoroughly in this, in this uh, modern day of of consumerism. There's a new iPhone every year, yet we don't take that same intent uh, in examining our partners. So definitely uh, a good thing to consider. And today's episode had so much value. And again, I would just want to really leave our listeners with the ask from Sarah and I, and, and I think I could conclude you in this here as well, Steve, but start with the first question of, or the, the first practice of admitting that we're, we're, you're a sexual being, 
find others attractive and go through these steps and have the conversation with your partner. It doesn't have to be today. It doesn't have to be tomorrow, but put it on the calendar in your head that you want to do that and you will reap the benefits. Absolutely. I can agree a hundred percent. And Steve, before we wrap up this interview, let's uh, have you tell our listeners where they can find you online. Um, I'm pretty darn easy. I think you could be impaired in 10 different ways and still find me on the internet because it's stephening.com. So anybody who wants to contact me or find out more about what I do, uh, they would just go to stephening, one word, dot com. Well, that's easy enough. And we'll have those links on your show notes page at idopodcast.com. And we appreciate you so much for coming on the show. And we'll have to have you back again. I look forward to it. It was a blast talking to you too. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with Stephen. If you want to get your hands on our free download, head on over to our website at idopodcast.com forward slash 116 download to download today's freebie. We put together a guide to the three steps that we talked about in the interview to help affair proof your relationship. So hopefully you'll find that resource valuable. And while you're on our website, go ahead and check out all the other resources that we have. We have a bunch of other freebies that go with a lot of our other episodes. For example, we have dealing with social media in your relationship, why respect is so critical, online dating tips, how to deal with conflict. So if any of those topics resonate with you, we have freebies on those topics as well. So head on over to our website at idopodcast.com to check those out. We also have our 14-day happy couple challenge. So if you haven't tried that yet, you can give that a try and uh, so much more. So we hope you guys enjoyed today's show and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com